0: This
1: is the Jace and Jensen Morning Sports Show Hey, hey, hey Magic,
0: get out of
2: here
0: Hey, hey, hey Alright, I'll go, I'll go first um, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, hey
1: Jace and Jensen, Morning Sports Show. I am Martin Jensen. And I am Jace McCain. Let's get to it, man. Jace, we've got a great episode. It is time to get into some recent news. Stephen A. Smith on First Take said, Jason Tatum is the next best basketball player in the league. I don't care what anybody thinks about this. Giannis Antetokounmpo will be the best player in the NBA once LeBron falls off in 10 years. But who is next up after Giannis?
0: First of all, Bron is going to fall off sooner than that, sadly. not He's not going to last 10 more years. But I think Stephen A is right, and I think you are absolutely wrong. Until Giannis gets a reliable jump shot, I, I'm not calling him the best player in the league. Giannis does not have a bag, as the kids say. And for those that do not know what a bag is, it's like basically moves to score. Giannis scores purely off athleticism. Now, someone like Tatum, has a humongous bag, and I think this bag will make him the best player in the league. You are wrong, Martin.
1: Come on, let's 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 take a step back here. Shaq's bag was <laughs> was two feet inside the basket. He was the most dominant player in NBA history. But I don't
0: think I don't think Shaq could lead a team by himself. He needed another superstar like. Dwayne Wade and Kobe.
1: My my take, I got Luka Doncic as the next best, but Jason Tatum is a very good player. In a sportsless world, a couple Formula One fans have created marble racing and it has blown up I have to say the commentating and live action does have a nice sports feel to it. But I get sad while I watch it because I would do this as a kid, rolling around the marbles on my tile floor, racing them. If I would have stuck to it, I would have had a billion-dollar industry. Have you been indulging yourself in Marbula One racing?
0: Dang, bro. Well, you could have been next up. You should have pursued that. But you know what, Martin? I have not been tuning in. And no no disrespect to this sport or hobby or whatever you want to call it, but I would (laughs) rather watch... I'd rather watch older basketball games than this, and I'm sorry if any Formula fans, uh, you know, take offense to that. But, you know, it's good that some other sports are going on or hobbies are going on right now.
1: Yeah, I would I would definitely call it a sport. If it has live commentary, it's a sport. Uh, <laughs> the Michael Jordan documentary is over as of this Sunday, but the effects on it, have not yet been closed. Horace Grant has portrayed as the so-called snitch of telling Sam Smith all the information for the book Jordan Rules. Uh, Grant then proceeds and calls Michael the snitch for painting the unnecessary picture of his teammates doing coke in his rookie season. Who's in the right here and who's in the wrong?
0: It seems like Grant is being a little soft in this situation. And it, it has been reported that Horace Grant was mad because he wasn't getting enough attention during their championship run. So it just seems like Grant is jealous of Jordan, and that's just that's just how it looks. I don't think Jordan had to call out his teammates for doing coke, but he's the goat. He can do what he wants, and Horace just seems like a hater at this point.
1: Scotty Pippen has stated his frustration with Michael on how he was represented in the documentary as well, saying he is very mad at his long life basketball duo, MJ. Horace Grant, also a former teammate, not happy about the documentary, states that ninety percent of it is BS in terms of realness, saying anyone going against Michael Jordan was edited out, which is very possible because we are seeing, Horace Grant is not very with it. He only appeared twice in the entire series, which Mm -hmm. were both good statements for Michael, not against.
0: It's obviously from Jordan's perspective, and you know, everyone has a different view on how things happen. So, you know, maybe some of it wasn't true, but this is what Jordan saw, you know, through his eyes.
1: Now, I would like to touch on something that we mentioned last episode. You mentioned the flu game slash food poisoning game was a possible cover-up for the hungover appearance in the finals by Michael Jordan. I'll start to let everybody know that it's very almost impossible that this pizzeria hadn't had any idea that they were delivering to Michael Jordan. The guy who called the pizzeria definitely did not stay. hey, This pizza is for the Michael Jordan Chicago's legend in enemy territory. Jace, what do you have for us on this discovery?
0: So this conspiracy of Jordan being hungover instead of having the flu all started uh, when someone on the Jazz's staff said the Bulls PR guy told him that Jordan was actually in Vegas all night before game five and was hungover. The guy that put the information out said that the source was reliable. Now, I don't know how credible that is, but I do think Jordan and his friends were trying to hide something that story about the pizza just didn't make too much sense, as I said last episode. Like, why would Jordan eat the pizza if everyone was so suspicious about it? I'm not sure if I agree that Jordan was hungover, but Jordan has been caught partying late night before games, so I would not throw this conspiracy out.
1: The NBA has a historical record of stating flu-like symptoms are a wink-wink euphemism for guys who partied hard the last night. It is time for Facts of Disrespect. You can't handle the truth! On ESPN, all-time starting fives for every Eastern Conference teams were put out. The Indiana Pacers consisted of obvious picks Reggie Miller and George McGinnis and some lower-level players, including Freddie Lewis, Roger Brown, and Mel Mel Daniels, leaving out Paul George, one of my favorite players in today's NBA. Is this list for the Pacers, facts or disrespect against Paul George?
0: Very disrespectful to Paul George. Paul George is probably... Top three Pacer, I would have to say. You got to just look at the numbers and see what he did for that team. I know he didn't lead them past that LeBron Heat team.
1: Yeah, the list for the Pacers, Roger Brown and Freddie Lewis. Total, totally terrible. I'm sorry,
0: I'm, I'm ignorant to those players. I do not know who <laughs> uh, The Boston and, and, and Celtics. You know, our, older guests, our older guests can tell us about them when we get them <laughs> on. The Boston Celtics
1: consisted of obvious selections, Larry Bird and Bill Russell and Bob Cousy, but John Havlicek and Paul Pierce made it. Facts of disrespect, Kevin McHale should be on the list over Paul Pierce.
0: I think so. Yeah, I think so. But it's probably just based on positions, but Kevin, Kevin McHale definitely should be on there for what he did for the Celtics.
1: I understand if it was Kevin Garnett and Bill Russell already in there. Maybe maybe you have an argument for booting Kevin McHale out of there, but they had Larry Bird at the power forward and Paul Pierce at the three. So, Kevin McHale should be in there, Larry Bird at the three. Yep, that would make make the most
0: sense.
1: Uh Jace, we have a very special guest on, someone very close to you.
0: So, our guest today is someone I know fairly well. He stands about 5'10", and he has a bald head. But more seriously, he is my assistant coach at Cal State San Marcos, and he's a great coach at that. He knows a lot about the game, and we're lucky to have him on. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Adam Ellis. Thank you. Yeah, how, how have you been during this quarantine, and how have you and your family been doing?
2: Oh, we've been good, man. It's uh, I've, I think I've told you this before, but I feel like the walls have kind of been closing in on me for a while. Uh, my son, who's two years old, is running laps around me. And... Um, <laughs> i'm more exhausted now than i am during the heart of the season so great spending time with uh with the family but i'm really ready for things to get back to normal
1: Uh, i'd like to ask uh, a question here about my co-host jason mccain what was your first
2: impression on
1: meeting Mr. McCain.
2: Well, it's funny. I was, I was actually thinking about this when uh, Coach Fuca actually sent us some tape on you. So we'd seen you and he has kind of an awkward playing style in a sense, the way that his body moves. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's a really skinny guy. His shot is uh, is. is got an interesting flow to it when I'd seen him on tape initially like I was I just thought he was too small the jumper I just I I'm a pure form guy I just couldn't figure out how it went in but it went in a lot so I just didn't even touch it and worry about it overall he blew out my expectations but early on I was I was a little concerned about uh skinny old jace being able to make it through a league schedule so arguably one of the best point guards I've ever coached. So there you go.
0: Coach Ellis is definitely one of the most honest guys I've ever been around. You know, you really appreciate that. You don't always need someone to tell you how good you are. He's going to tell you what what you need to work on for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, He's a great player. I mean, that shot goes in. I don't get it, but it goes in. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thank you. On our Instagram, at Jace, uh, and, uh, Jensen, You voted that Michael Jordan is better than LeBron based off of our uh, previous episode. Let's get your take on why Jordan is better than LeBron.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, you grow up and that's your idol. So you, you look up to him a lot and it's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of see the other side of it. I think Doc Rivers kind of explained it really well. He had mentioned how when Jordan came in the league, a lot of people didn't expect him to be as good as he ended up. So anything new was like really awesome and, and great, you know, and, and, but the expectations on LeBron were so high coming in, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense, everybody just kind of wanted him to fail, you know, and I think I kind of fall fell into that category. The documentary, you know, really kind of emphasized the, the mental aspect of it that really set Jordan apart. Uh, from LeBron, and I, and I honestly, I think I think I could say LeBron's a better passer than Jordan. I don't think he's a better shooter. You know, I don't I don't think he's a better defender. I think maybe his length and athleticism gives him the ability to recover a little bit better. But I don't think like an on-ball defender and a disciplined defender and an IQ defender. I don't think LeBron's better than Jordan.
0: Tell him, Coach. I've been trying to tell Martin this for the last <laughs> couple episodes, and, and you didn't even bring up the six and zero part against LeBron's three and whatever.
2: I I think that's petty. I mean, you think about it, LeBron making it to the finals, what, nine straight years or something like that is is really impressive. You know, Mm -hmm. I was happy to see him not win a lot of those because I wanted to be a (laughs) hater. As things have kind of happened with the whole, you know, losing Kobe, I've learned to kind of just take a step back and just respect greatness and and LeBron's good. There's no point in comparing them because they're never going to play each other, you know, so it's... You know, it's kind of a mute point, but um, I really, if I'm going to choose one player to watch, I'd rather watch Jordan than LeBron. That's
0: very true. I, I feel you on that. Uh, now, let's talk, let's get into a little bit about you, you know. Uh, did you always <laughs> know you wanted to be a coach? And when did you realize this?
2: I actually had no idea growing up. I, I, it was probably the last thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a firefighter. You know, I had some injuries playing hoops in college, which limited my ability to do that job. Uh, I wanted to go into the medical field and then I realized I didn't really like being around sick people. So, uh, and it was a lot of studying and I, you know, that just wasn't for me. So I took a coaching class uh, at Eastern Washington and I felt like I was really good at it. Like I felt like I had a good handle on how to be organized with it and I really enjoyed it. And then I got hired as, as a head coach in high school, kind of fell in love with the idea of it. So I realized I haven't done anything else my whole life. So I don't know what else I would do. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm, what I'm in. I, I love it. You know, I love the fact that I get to wear shorts to work every day and I love that I, uh, my job requires me watching basketball so that is the dream
1: you got hired right after high school as a head coach
2: no so i played some junior college basketball um and then i transferred out to eastern washington university and i was done after my junior college basketball my body just didn't hold up so i kind of got on as like a student assistant there and then my old high school needed a coach and so they hired me i was a know-it-all um, you know, and, and after a couple years, uh, you know, with limited success, I, I moved down to California to get my master's at Concordia, Irvine, uh, and then I got hired at Blue Mountain Community College as the head coach there.
1: Uh, so you prepared a couple uh, hot takes for us, you know, whatever is on your mind for the past 30 years, just boiling up that you haven't had the Six, chance 60, to, like to put 60. out. Uh, <laughs> so this is Adam Ellis, our second guest
2: on the stove. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. All right, uh I would have to say John Stockton is the most underrated point guard of all time. I think he could very easily be in the argument for the best point guard of all time. I can give you that. I like. I'm a fan of John Stockton. though so. are
0: are you, are you taking John over Steph?
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: What the heck? I as will a,
2: too. As a true point guard, for sure. Yeah. Okay.
0: But like, if you're gonna start your team, you, you're you know you drafting players. Are you picking John in their prime or Steph?
2: Well, that depends. Is that my first pick?
0: No, it's just between those two players.
2: I have to pick between. The, what, what do I got with me? Do I you know? The, that, you that's what I'm thinking.
0: Just answer the question, Coach. Just answer the question.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. John Stockton's leadership and all that is. You want that piece that's going to be your anchor, but Steph adds just a completely different scoring ability. Is just. A different thing. Steph, in my opinion, is a better shooting guard than he is a point guard.
0: Yeah, that makes but. sense. Like, John has those assists and steals records that I feel like not many people are going to touch.
2: So I, I'm not sure if he's underrated. Or- but he also he also shot the ball really well. He shot 38% from three at a time where, like, the three yeah, was, was- I mean, somewhat new. So mm-hmm. okay. all good points. But I will not put him over Magic. I don't think there's
1: ever going to be a case for that. Uh, do you have any other? for us.
2: You know, there's a couple of players that I think that don't get in the conversation of as greats because they were cut out of injuries. Anthony Penny Hardaway is a, is a oh. guy, if you look at his first four years in the league, you can make an argument that he was on pace to be potentially the greatest ever. You know oh. crazy. Yeah. I mean, but you look at it, I mean he's averaging twenty his first four years, you know, he's got a two to one assist to turnover ratio. His team's winning, you know, it was him and Shaq and then a bunch of Tree Rawlings is on that team, you know, know that is. So you, know, you can make an argument that had he stayed healthy, I mean, he didn't even get to play a full season in any of his first four years. So yeah, if he stayed healthy, he could have been really, really good.
0: So for me, looking outside in, coaching seems very stressful. When you lose, it's, it's on you and your job's on the line, unless you're like Coach K or someone. So is coaching really as stressful as it looks? It's probably more,
2: to be honest with you. <laughs> you think that you have all this control but the reality of it is is you have zero your brain is always going you're constantly thinking about it all the time it's true you know the losses are on the coaches the wins are on the players you know Mm -hmm. so really the only thing that you get is criticism a good coach will tell you that they only win because they have good players that execute what they're trying to do so that aspect of it is you know it's, it's super stressful that you don't sleep I mean, that's that's a given during the season. I mean, uh, you know, when I was at St. Martin's as an assistant, there was times where it we was like three hours of a great night's sleep. You're just grinding, you know, and it's, it's a long stretch, you know, but you're doing it because you want that edge. And it's just a competitive piece that you have. It's probably more stressful than it looks.
0: I would be talking to coach and he'd, he'd be like, yeah, I only got like two hours of sleep. So <laughs> yeah, we know, we know coach, coach is grinding out there for us. So yeah. we appreciate that. So if you're talking to someone that's trying to pursue a coaching career, What is one piece of advice that you would give them?
2: I usually tell them to reconsider. That's the first thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's great. As far as being a mentorship and leadership, um, it's awesome. You know, and that impact is awesome. You got to be a grinder. I mean, you got to be willing to be okay making very little money and you know you're not going to get paid what you're worth for a very long time you got to be okay with that and you got to be able to do your job the best that you can with that the, be- the best piece of advice is try to start at the level that you want to be at even if that means not getting paid mm-hmm. if you want to be at a very high level you got to be a student assistant or a graduate assistant or or volunteer or whatever and then try to hang it out there as long as you can climbing is a lot higher harder than being the next guy up. So if you if you just hang around, you know, eventually somebody's going to leave. And if you've done a good job, they want to keep the people they trust. So um, eventually it might work out, but a lot of people just get anxious and want to go for the money. You like Jace's game being the uh, mid-range. Jace is kind of a
1: throwback player. So why <laughs> is the 90s in your mind the best
2: era of basketball to ever exist? I, I don't know that it is. I, I would like to think that it is because I, I grew up watching it I think the game was very much more post-dominant, get the ball inside, working off the post. And there was a big fundamental base on that back in the day of including everybody. Now, it's more of a kind of isolation-style basketball, positionless, you know, uh, drive and kick, which I don't think is a bad thing. It's just different. I'm kind of looking at stats the other day, and I was looking at Larry Bird's three point attempts you know and in his day you know or even late in his day when the three became started to become more relevant he was still only shooting like three or four threes a game now it's like steph curry will shoot that in the first four minutes of the game you know (laughs) it's just different you know i a player like me i love the advantage of the three-point line you know as far as effective field goal percentage and all that it's a lot better you know there is something cool about you know getting the ball inside and working off the post, the triangle offense and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know that it's better. I do think players played through a lot more injuries. You saw guys playing 82 games all the time, no rest, you know, no load management. So in that aspect, I think I think it was a lot better. You know, guys just, they just wanted to win and they would play no matter what. So that,
0: That's one thing that uh, Coach Ellis believes in is he thinks the players of this generation are soft.
2: I do. Which
0: yeah. I should see. You know, it's kind of disrespectful. He calls us soft all the time. <laughs> Coach, I got, I got a question for you. Yeah. So you you and your prime without the injuries against me, one-on-one right now, we go to 21. How much am I beating you by?
2: I mean, I don't think you're tough enough to get by me. So that, I mean, you've got to rely on that deep. No, I'm joking. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I don't think I'd be able to keep you in front of me now. But um, you, you yeah. guys are too shifty nowadays. Before it was yeah. just... You know, jab step drive, you with know.
0: Straight line drive, yeah. I, so game to d- 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 twenty one,
2: what's it. the score? Uh well he's still got to guard me too. So <laughs> and, uh, it's winners, right? It's winners. Right. Yeah, he yeah.
0: might not get the ball if I start off
2: with it. Right, yeah. Jace is saying twenty one oh. No, it's not twenty one oh. Yeah, J- Jace is beating me, but uh it's not twenty one oh. So I'm gonna take that thing as deep as I can though. He'll be tired. Uh, he'll be tired and he'll be sore. So, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Yo. I'll go Jordan rules on him. <laughs> yeah, that's a pause
0: right there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we thank you for coming on the show, Coach Ellis. Uh, you have me. But one thing before we let you go, we talked about factual disrespect of the Boston Celtics and Pacers list. What is your thought? Because you probably have a lot more knowledge on dudes like Freddie Lewis and Roger Brown than we do. <laughs> Freddie Lewis and Roger Brown over Paul George, yeah?
2: I've, I've always had a huge respect for Paul George's game, but questioned why he wasn't winning more. So, you know, that was it's kind of like the whole Carmelo Anthony thing, right? Super talented, but he can't win. I, I think Paul George is is an elite player for sure.
1: Cal State San Marcos, uh, assistant coach Adam Ellis joined us today. We will see you guys on the next episode. See ya. See ya. Hey, 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 we are back. Check in every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for some new episodes.